This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. We are here to break down week seven, although some breaking news is making us a little bit weary of the slate of games coming into this week, but we're still going to talk about them. We're still going to have some fun. There's going to be football played, and we are feeling ready to talk about it. Uh, as nervous as I might be for the late night matchup on Saturday. But before we get into it, let me introduce my co-host. I am Madison, and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Outstanding. I'm uh, super fired up to get into this week. Uh, You know, not the biggest slate of games or the most impressive, but, you know, arguably the marquee matchup of the year. So whenever you get one of those uh, showdowns, it's always it's always awesome. It's always an incredible week. A lot of uh, electricity in the air. And when it just so happens to be one of your teams, it's even more electric. So excited to get into it. Excited to watch football. I didn't get to watch much last week other than the uh, old Commodores get absolutely routed. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to see uh, see some football, uh, some good action. Let me put it that way. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting slate. The good games are really, really good. And then there's a bunch of games that I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, like we said, we were going through it and. It just seemed like, and I, and I said, said it on the last recap podcast, I was going to go with every pick that I thought I was going to make. I'm going with the opposite of what I expect. Um, obviously, I need to change something up. And then, you know what's funny? I went through the slate and I went, well, favorites, 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 favorites. And I'm uh, I'm really nervous. So let's just <laughs> let's put it that way. I think I'm going to have to make some uh, last minute changes here. Yeah, it's just one of those weeks. It's one of those weeks. It's going to feel weird, Pierce. We were talking about before the podcast how there's only one Big 12 matchup this week. We're not picking it because... It's going to be a blowout. Um, the rest of it is is all SEC, all ACC, gearing up for the return of the Big Ten next week. That's going to be interesting and fun to have the Big Ten back. Um, so it's going to be pretty heavy on the ACC, SEC. Most of our listeners won't care about that. Uh, but if you are wondering why we're not picking the Big 12, it's not because we hate them, although they are kind of irrelevant this year. It's because we don't really want to preview Kansas and West Virginia. Sorry. Hate to say it. I wouldn't even know where to start. West Virginia wins in a landslide. <laughs> yeah. That's where uh, I start. He throws for a lot. Yeah. That's Les it. Miles is not a great coach. I don't know why he got a head coaching gig. Didn't Les Miles come down with COVID recently? Yeah, but is he back? I don't know. It's been at least a couple weeks. I don't know. I but mean, he did come down with COVID. Another coach that's come down with COVID, and we can kind of get in. We'll kind of touch on this. I'll get into it more in our uh, news daily podcast. If you're not subscribed on the feed, I've been putting out daily short-form news podcasts to keep you up to date with what's happening. Uh, you know, things are changing uh, by the minute. So if there is a change in the Alabama-Georgia game, you will know. And the reason there would be a change in the Georgia-Alabama game is because Nick Saban has as of two, three hours ago, uh, the time this recording, uh, tested positive for Corona Pierce. So he is going to, he immediately left the facility. He is going to be not on the sidelines. Uh, Unsure how that works really with communication. I know Mike Norvell was not able to communicate with the sidelines during the game. So I would, I would assume that the same is true for SEC, but we haven't navigated those waters yet. Uh, in the SEC, he's the first SEC coach to test positive, um, have had one of the Big 12 with Les Miles, have had one of the ACC with Mike Norvell, and there's been another one or two, I think, maybe in the, I don't know, those ones for it's sure. To happen. Those ones for sure. Um, so, interesting things. Um, 
the the line immediately changed Pierce from minus six to minus four. We made I our saw picks three in some, on some books, so it's dropping even more. I I we are going to stay our picks at the minus six because that's what we picked it at when I sent you the lines earlier today. Uh, but just know that that has moved. If you are a gambler, uh, the the line is moving towards Georgia because of Saban not being on the sidelines. So keeping the, the old ball coach in our thoughts and prayers, hate that that happened. Steve Sarkeesian will be stepping in as the uh, the, the head coach, for lack of a better term, interim head coach, I guess you'd call it, uh, head guy during the game versus Georgia. Hopefully, Pierce, we'll find out tomorrow, but hopefully there is not a major outbreak with the players as well and that Georgia-Alabama game can happen as planned, you and I were speculating that if we were not able to play that game, it would theoretically get moved to December 12th. But with the likelihood of those two teams probably playing each other in the SEC championship, would they then just do away with the December 12th matchup and say, hey, we'll just let this one come down to all the marbles? Uh, you, you kind of, I, I think that's actually in the bad interest for the SEC because you'd hope if you're Greg Sankey in the SEC you're hoping to get two SEC teams into the playoffs and the best bet for that would be if they split the series so if they only play one game you know that they don't they can't point because the only way that the loser of that game gets in is if they look can look back at the regular season and say well we we beat them back in October so that's the only way that they're able to make that argument to potentially get two SEC teams in Uh, but that being said I don't I don't want to watch back-to-back matchups between Alabama and Georgia for no. my nerves, for my sanity, and also if I wasn't a Georgia fan, like that's kind of boring. Yeah, you know, and and I read things today to kind of add to what you said, saying this could be the potential first of three matchups, and yep. and that's just, you know, I, and those I, would happen back to back to potentially back. Exactly. I I think uh, I think the committee would do a scenario like uh, three years ago, back in 2017, when Georgia won the Rose Bowl. I think they'd split them up to hope that one of them maybe didn't make it um, or didn't advance. Yeah, it's it's obviously strange. Um, I think there were a lot more people that thought that these two teams would have a little more competition, and I, I think certainly there will be some, you know, some some tough games moving forward. But it, it is interesting, and it's interesting to see the. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see Saban out this week. Um, you know, I'm obviously more worried about what does it mean for the the, the players on the field because. You know, you're hearing that Ole Miss has a, a potential outbreak, and those two teams played each other last last week. You know, are, is there a, is there a superstar that you know might come up positive on Friday and and be out? I don't know. Um, you know, it'll hurt not having Saban on the sideline, but I don't know. I, I think uh, when you've got talent like Alabama does, I think they'll just be they'll be just fine. Hey, uh, this will be the last thing we say about this. Then we'll get into our picks. Uh, Kristen Saban. Setas, I guess is her new married name. Um, she tweeted that he has no symptoms and he's literally coaching practice from a Zoom call. So she that's what she tweeted out about her dad. Not surprised. Uh, and the way he's handling corona. But no symptoms is good to hear. Hopefully that stays that way. Well, we got good news. Uh, switching gears. Um, you asked, had any more coaches you know, gotten it? This is a former coach, Bobby Bowden. Um, good on him. 90 he, uh, years old. Yeah, it's impressive. He, uh, Thank goodness we didn't lose a, a living legend um, in this way. And he's uh, he's now clear. So... Sure, uh, I sure will look back and say this was the uh, you know nail in the coffin for COVID. Hopefully, and and the fact that uh, they you know you got two of the best mess, coaches of all time don't mess taking with Saban. it down. Don't mess with Saban. You got Bobby Bowden, one of the best coaches of all time. Nick Saban, probably the best coach of all time, taking down Corona doesn't stand a chance. No, I know. Well, another weird thing, just to add, just final uh, final thing on this topic. Interestingly enough, it was Saban and the AD 
were the ones that that tested positive. So you hope, yes, I know Saban's in close proximity with players and whatnot, but you hope maybe they got it from each other in a closed door meeting or something like that, or catching up in an office yeah. and, and being outside negated Worst that. Worst case so. would be you, you're seeing uh, Lane Kiffin came out today and said that they have a slew of people on the Ole Miss team that have tested positive. So the worst, you know, if if it did transmit through Ole Miss players to Alabama players, then to Nick Saban, uh, we'll find out tomorrow. You'll keep up to date with that. Like I said, be subscribed here on the feed for my daily short form. That's where I'll keep you all up to date. And for breaking news, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. That's bragging without the G, and you will see all uh, news there as well. Uh, but let's move on here. Let's not uh, stay on the Corona talk. I know that you guys are tired about hearing about that. I'm tired of talking about it. It's all anybody wants to talk about nowadays. Uh, let's get into just some good old-fashioned football talk. Uh, Pierce, let's start it off with 11 o'clock Central Time on ESPN2. The Cincinnati Bearcats heading to Tulsa to take on the Golden Hurricanes. Tulsa is getting three points on that game. The Bearcats are coming into this game at number eight in the nation and are undefeated. Tulsa, on the other hand, has split the two games they've played this year, but they did just upset UCF, who were thought to be, uh, and they are always thought to be pretty good, Uh, but the UCF Knights were no match for the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. Uh, They will put up points, this Tulsa team will, but they're also going to yield a fair amount of points. So as long as Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati and this Bearcats offense can protect the ball, then I like them to win and cover. But if Tulsa can force a couple mistakes, Pierce, and with seven turnovers on the season, Cincinnati can be forced to make some mistakes, then I think these teams are actually really well matched and Tulsa could have the edge in this one. Um, That being said, I got to give a shout out to Bob Mack. I'm going to go with the Bearcats. I think that they do have a little bit of the edge on paper and I want to roll with them in my heart. So uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati minus the three points there. Yeah, I think uh, this is an interesting game. You look at it, you got the number eight uh, next to the Cincinnati Bearcats. That's you look at that and you automatically go, "Wow, this is uh, why is the spread three? That's a, a little bit fishy in my opinion. So it scares me uh, on one side of things, but you really break things down and you look at what Cincinnati's done. Um, yes, they had the uh, offensive explosion against Austin P, but other than that, they really haven't done anything crazy offensively. They don't put up absolute crazy numbers. They really want to establish their identity uh, on the line of scrimmage, running the ball with physicality, and having lost uh, Michael Warren last year, um, you know. Uh, he, no longer with the team this year. He, uh, I believe, he uh, went pro. Um, they're struggling to find someone that workhorse back. And uh, interestingly enough, Tulsa, Tulsa does have a good offense. Um, I think this game will be very interesting. And uh, I, uh, I like Tulsa in this one uh, plus the three. Um, I do. Uh, I, I really like them to win outright. Um, but it'll be a good game. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how since he steps up to a, a, a quality opponent in Tulsa. So we split that one picking differing sides on this one. I think we might we might have leaked this to each other who we're going with this next matchup. The Auburn Tigers heading to Columbia to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Another three-point spread. Uh, South Carolina getting those three points. This game is 11 o'clock Central Time on ESPN. Pierce, it's crazy to think that Auburn and the Gus Malzahn offense is second worst in the SEC. Now, I know the SEC has become more offensive-minded, but they literally hired Gus Malzahn because he was supposed to be an offensive mastermind. That was supposed to be their big hire to, to you know, help get past these, you know, staunch defenses in the SEC. Funny how the tides have changed. Uh, Bo Nix, Pierce for the Auburn Tigers, has been unbelievably mediocre for how much hype he had coming into the season. He isn't making massive mistakes, 
but he also isn't stepping up to make big plays, and Auburn is struggling to convert third downs, whereas the Gamecocks have shined in that area on defense. Uh, Defensively, Auburn should be able to get good pressure on Colin Hill, the quarterback for South Carolina, who is handling business. But what matters most to me is the fact that Auburn can't control the clock, and that is going to be a problem in this one. Auburn was lucky to sneak away with a win over Arkansas last week, and that luck runs out this week. I have South Carolina outright as my home dog of the week market, giving them their first win over Auburn since 1933. Now, granted, they've only played 12 times, but 1933. <laughs> wow, that'd be a big uh, big win. You know, I, I gut wants to agree with you. It really does. Um, but what did I say uh, in our recap of last week as well as the last couple days? I'm going to go with more picks that make me uncomfortable. And while I, I you'd think that'd be South Carolina in this scenario, I'm going to take Auburn. My Ooh. gut says South Carolina, but I, I do think Auburn gets it done at the end of the day. If you, if you look at what South Carolina does, are we really basing that much off of their win against Vanderbilt last week? I, I, I don't know how you can put that much stock in, in a win over Vandy like that, uh, especially in a sloppy affair where, you know, Seals couldn't really – they're just limited offensively, uh, especially through the air. Um, it was a downpour last week here in Nashville. Yes, I like what Colin Hill's doing, and I like uh, I really like their running back, Kevin Harris. I, I think he's a special back. I think he's one of the top backs in the SEC without question. Um, and, you know, South Carolina has some confidence, but you also look at it. They, they succeeded against, um, you know, Tennessee, who get, a defense who was good last week but gave up 42 points as well. And, you know, South Carolina also uh, scored against a mediocre Florida team. So I think Auburn's going to be a little bit tif- uh, tougher test uh, for them on the defense side of the ball, even though Auburn has their issues as well. Um, I don't think Colin Hill and, and company are going to get going as, as much as they'd like. And I do think uh, Bo Nix and company do just enough. And at a measly three, I think this is a, a cover for Auburn. Oh, okay. So you might have switched it up there on me based on what we talked about earlier. I think, I think, I think, I think if Muschamp can get it done, he saves his job in uh, Columbia. All right, Pierce, Kentucky versus Tennessee back on old Rocky top after their loss to Georgia Tennessee is favored by six points. That game is at 11 o'clock central time on SEC Network. Say it with me, folks. Let down, look ahead, sandwich. Tennessee just came off a hard loss to Georgia that they were prepared or prepped to shock the world on and are getting ready for the third Saturday in October, their annual beatdown from Bama. So this is a classic trap game. Kentucky is leading the SEC in rushing with 212 yards a game, and they have the upper hand in time of possession. The Cats have really struggled through the air, so the Vols are going to look to force them to pass. This Tennessee defense is fine, but their offense is where they really have looked sharp with a vaunted offensive line. Jarrett Garantano has racked up 664 yards and four touchdowns on the season. Kentucky might have had six turnovers last week, but Tennessee won't be as, or turnovers won last week, I should say, but Tennessee won't be as mistake prone. Ultimately, it took the best defense in the nation, Pierce, to stop this Tennessee offense. So I do think Tennessee gets it done, but I have the Wildcats covering in a close one. Interesting. I uh, this is a this is a toss up game for me. Obviously, you look at I don't know what the exact statistic is coming in uh, uh, for a team that lost to Georgia in the last three years, but you can kind of compare them in a way, you know, one B to, to Alabama. You look at teams that play Alabama and the physical style of play that they, they, they impose on their opponents. And, and usually the teams after uh, playing Auburn or playing Alabama struggle, they just do. And so I think you'll see a little bit of that in the Tennessee game. Um, 
I think Kentucky very easily can win this game. I do think that there won't be quite the look-ahead spot only because they'll now know where they stand and they know that they need to win versus Kentucky if they want any shot to have any shot to for a meaningful game against Alabama. Um, I think you'll see Garantano get back to his old ways. They'll, he'll run the ball a little bit more. They'll be very careful with him. And I think that facing Kentucky, even though they have a good defense, um, relatively speaking, I, I think they get back to the ground game and are able to figure some things out, especially on the offensive line, and, and just be able to run the ball. They'll find some more holes there um, going up against a team that they ought to be able to handle on the on the line of scrimmage. So for that reason, I'm going to go Tennessee. It's going to be very close. I'm hoping that there's a, a late touchdown or late field goal to cover this 5.5 because it could be that close, but i got to go Tennessee. I think they're the better team overall. Wow, this is unusual for us. We've split the first three games. Uh, I'm not sure how to feel about that. Either one of us is really smart, t- one of us is really I dumb. I told you I was going to take picks that I was not comfortable with, so... Okay, so um, you're saying I picked the smart ones then. You're just trying to mix some mojo up. Hey, the smart ones for me the previous five weeks have, have really sucked. Okay, well, that's a fair point. Hey, I maybe I uh, maybe I maybe just am lucky. All right, hey, Pittsburgh versus Miami. Miami is favored by 10.5 points. That game is at 11 o'clock Central Time on the SEC. Not SEC, that would be weird. The ACC Network. Uh, and I got to ask you, are there two teams who have recently been exposed more than these two? Pitt is coming off back-to-back losses to Boston College and NC State. Miami off their beat down to Clemson after we thought the U was back. Spoiler alert, maybe not fully back. Uh, Pitt, their quarterback, Kenny Pickett, leads the nation in total passing yards. But keep in mind that Pitt has played five games already. It's more than most other teams, so he does have an advantage on that stat. But he's still a good passer, for what it's worth. But I'm going to take Derek King in the QB battle as he has been an accurate QB in last week withstanding a great get from Andy Diaz and company. Pitt secondary is giving up 211 yards on average through the air, and they won't be able to stop Derek King in this Kane's offense with one caveat, Pierce. And that caveat is Miami has to play disciplined. They have had 26 penalties over the past two games. 26, that's 13, average 13 a game. Uh, take the over on this one, first of all, folks. This is going to be a shootout, and I just don't think I can pick Miami to cover an almost 11-point spread in a shootout. So while I like the Canes to win, I'm picking Pitt to cover. Wow. I, I didn't think after the buildup you were going that way. Um, this is one of the few games that I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go with my gut and not, not, not switch it up and try and you know figure out if I can turn this, this ship around. I got to go Miami. I think that, uh, yes, they struggled last week, but they also know they're a better team than that. And they also know that Pittsburgh isn't even close on the level that Clemson is. This, What this does, what the game last week did for Miami is they can now get back to doing what they were doing and, and feel confident about their game plan and get back to a season that they kind of expected to have. A very solid season, not ready to, kind of like a Tennessee, not quite ready, and I think they're a little bit ahead of Tennessee, certainly, but not quite ready to take on the big dogs, but not too far away either. And and I, I think those uh, the lowering of expectations for them um, will be a, a good thing. I think they got humbled in a good way, um, and I think they're they're back with a vengeance this week, and they're certainly better than Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Pitt coming off two straight losses um, to two teams that I thought, quite frankly, they'd beat. So, Minus 10.5, I thought this game would be closer to 14 or, or, or even up to 15. Um, so I, for that reason, i got to go Miami, minus 10.5. All righty. Next up, we got the Louisville Cardinals and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame at home is favored by 17 points. 
1.30 Central Time is when that game will kick off on NBC. And I got to say, although I've been a Louisville believer this season, I think it's finally time for me to break up with cards. The turnovers, Pierce, have been brutal for Scott Satterfield's team, 11 through four games. Granted, Notre Dame is not a force when it comes to forcing turnovers, but if there's any team that will be able to get turnovers against, or they'll be able to get turnovers against, it's this Cardinals offense. Notre Dame's defense is second in the nation in third down stops. They're also shutting down the run and only allowing 13 points a game on average. Now, Louisville's offense, can, Louisville's offense can score points if they get clicking, but they are struggling to play defense. Ian Book is going to get it done and look for Kyron Williams to have a big night as the Irish dominate the trenches. Notre Dame may head to the locker room in a close match at halftime, but runs away in the second half. Give me Notre Dame minus the 17. This is disgusting. These are two teams that I've been so high on and... Uh... Uh, you know, stubbornly, I've been high on Louisville despite how poorly they've looked the last three weeks. Um, yes, I'm sour on them. I, I, I think this Louisville team is in clearly a rebuilding year. They just don't have uh, some of the key pieces, especially on the line of scrimmage that they've had in the past. Uh, Mekhi Becton obviously is a very notable one. Notre Dame, though, on the other hand, has kind of let me down too. They're showing against Florida State last week was uh, odd. Quite frankly, uh, I thought Notre Dame would cover that with ease. And you you mentioned it. The defense for Notre Dame has really is good. They're good. But how do they give up 26, 27 to Florida State? I mean, who hasn't been able to score on anyone this year? I think it might be a little bit of that uh, that implementation of a running quarterback. Um, disp- you know, maybe he can't throw as well as certain quarterbacks. But I think that's given Notre Dame a little bit of fits. I think Louisville will have a little bit of success, like you mentioned. They they do have an okay offense that can put up some points. Um, they're not sound in all aspects, but they can still put up points. I think you're going to see a Notre Dame team, uh, they're going to get up big, and I think they're going to end up letting Louisville come back and cover this spread of 17. I, I know, again, this is one that gut says Notre Dame, and I really like Notre Dame in this one, but... I think you can see it. You make every reason for Louisville to come back. And like I said, I'm going going against my gut for the most part this week. So I'm going to go Louisville um, to cover this in a backdoor spread cover. Have we picked the same team yet? Nope. Wow. Like I said, one of us is genius. One of us is an idiot. Probably you. I'm an idiot. Well, we knew that already. Didn't have to wait till football picks to figure that one out. Pierce, the Duke Blue Devils and the NC State Wolfpack will be heading over, or I should say Duke's just heading over a few miles to Raleigh, uh, not far away at all. NC State at home is the favorites by four and a half points. That game is at 2.30 Central Time on ESPN3. If there is a theme this week, if you haven't caught on people, it's that sloppy offense uh, is is running rampant in a lot of these earlier games, and that's going to hold true with this Duke team. They have 19 turnovers this season, which is leading the nation in turnovers lost. NC State, on the other hand, has its own slew of issues. It's mainly in the secondary. So if Chase Bryce, the quarterback for Duke, can calm down and not force anything, Duke will be able to move the ball on the Wolfpack. The Wolfpack offense isn't blowing anyone away, but they have been able to win some shootouts. On paper, these two teams are actually very close, but I just think that Duke is so sloppy that I can't pick them on this close of a line. Give me NC State minus the four and a half points. Boy, I uh, haven't looked into this uh, last few days. It's 
Gut always gut said NC State uh, the entire way. I, I agree with you. I, I, NC State's been a pleasant surprise. I hit on it in the ACC preview. Um, NC State I thought was a, a a year or two away, but I liked what they were doing. I really thought this was a this is a team that has a chance to turn it around uh, quicker or sooner rather than later. Um, it's come a little bit sooner than I would have thought. I really like NC State. I like what they're doing. Watch for Duke to keep this very, very low scoring and try and muddy muddy the waters and muck it up. I think uh, NC State's riding high. Uh, you know, coming in off they off three straight wins. Uh, you know, a couple of them have been considered upsets. One loss was to Virginia Tech. That was uh, about a twenty-one point beating. Um, and you look at Duke; they actually hung with Virginia Tech. I know I don't typically base my picks off that, but you look at it and yes, Duke struggled, um, struggled mightily, but they've shown when they can keep the, keep the point total, um, on the opposing side down a little bit, they've got a chance to cover. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Duke's riding high after the Syracuse upset last week. Uh, I'm going to go Duke here plus the four and a half, um, not to upset. I think NC State has a little bit of a letdown spot here just coming off uh, three straight wins. They're going to be riding high. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Duke cover this four and a half for that. I'm taking Chase Rice and the Dukies. Let's flip back to the SEC, the Ole Miss Rebels and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Razorbacks are a home dog. They are getting three points on the game. That game is at 2.30 Central Time on the SEC Network. Most people, Pierce, are focusing on another matchup in the SEC that features a good offense and a good defense, but they're overlooking this one, which is sneakily very similar in that these teams line up with a great, not great, because the other one's great, I should say. This is a good Ole Miss, potentially great Ole Miss offense and a sneaky good Arkansas defense. Barry Barry Odom might have been the best offseason hire in college football, and Arkansas should have beat Auburn last weekend. Don't let don't don't miss that. Now that granted, okay, it was really close at the end, but but they should have, and that was unfortunate the way it happened. Uh, on the other hand, Pierce Lane Kiffin has his explosive offensive philosophy churning at Ole Miss. You have a mediocre offense at Arkansas, meanwhile, and a horrific defense for the Rebels. So it's very counterbalanced in that way. Um, both teams are coming off emotional losses, so it's going to come down to who can get back up for this one. I'm so, so tempted to go with Ole Miss because I don't think Arkansas will be able to keep pace with Matt Corral and company. But on the other hand, the veteran leadership of the Razorbacks they have in Felipe Franks, that although he can be iffy, uh, I like that, and I think that can help them get their minds right. And I, I love Sam Pittman. That being said, I just think that this Ole Miss offense is electric and I think Lane Kiffin is a fantastic play caller and if there's uh you know Barry Odom is probably the best chance to stop that at not being you know a Georgia or you know we saw Alabama was barely able to do it last week um it's gonna be close for the entirety of the game but I just think Ole Miss will be able to score late to put Arkansas away so I'm going to take the Rebels on the road all right, so we agree for the first time. Uh, this is the first pick where I just couldn't I couldn't go away from my gut. You, you look at it, and yes, you know, Arkansas shut down the air raid of Mississippi State, but you know so did Kentucky. Uh, so I don't put too much weight in that. You know, Costello and company have really struggled. Kylan Hill, uh, you know, is, is a non-factor on the ground because they just don't run it. Um, I think Arkansas stacks up with teams typically better that you know run the ball. And kind of play that clock possession because they they are a gritty defensive team. You've seen that. You saw that against Georgia. 
Um, you've seen that in a couple of their games. But they do have a propensity to play defense on the back end as well. The thing is, I think Matt Correll is a dark horse for the Heisman. He won't come close to winning because he isn't on a successful team enough team. But that being said, I think Corral and company, uh, along with the leadership that Kiffin brings, I'm not as worried about their defense because I just don't think Felipe Franks and company can score more than 28, 31 points. Exactly. And I think Ole Miss gets to 40 in this game. I really do. Uh, once the floodwaters open, it, it'll be uh, it'll be it'll be crazy how much how many points they put up and how quickly they do so. Um, Got to go with uh, with the fighting Kiffins here. Uh, Ole Miss minus three. All righty, Texas A&M and Mississippi State. Mississippi State is the home dog. Six and a half points they will be getting on the game. That game is at 3 o'clock Central Time on ESPN. Uh, this is going to be one that's going to be interesting to watch. I always find it interesting to watch these two teams because they basically have the same – well, they have the same color scheme and they basically have the same jerseys. So it's always like, which team was that? Oh, right, right. I, I will make the mistake a couple of times with what team I'm watching. Uh after the shining moment, Pierce, of the LSU game, this Bulldogs offense has been atrocious. Um, Costello is got benched last week. T- t- Mordecai, Tanner Mordecai, I almost called him something different. Tanner Mordecai uh, saw the game, uh, which is not what Leach wants. He obviously thought he maybe had his answer with KJ Costello, but he did not, uh, or, or does not, I don't think. I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the answer for him. Um in the Kentucky game alone, Pierce, Mississippi State had six interceptions against them. Six. The total turnovers through three games is more than all of 2018 for Mississippi State. That's not great. Uh, and it's they, to be fair, they throw the ball a lot, so you're going to have mistakes. Uh, we have seen what this Mike Leach offense can be if it's working. And Texas A&M, on the other hand, doesn't have the most dominant defense. Uh, they were a- not uh, able to necessarily fully shut down Trask and Pitts and uh, that connection through the air last week. Aggies, on average, are allowing 299 yards through the air, allowing Bama and Florida to complete 75% of their passes in the past two games. Mississippi State on defense is actually doing a pretty good job, and it's being overlooked because of the offensive woes. They're not really paying attention to the uh, defense and all that they've been doing, but they've been shutting down the run, pressuring the quarterback pretty well. Uh, Leach called out his team in the past game last week after uh, he didn't think that they were really fully bought in. I think that'll be enough to get their head in it. A&M is also coming off an emotional victory at home, so there's potential for a letdown spot here. I think they would have to play exceptionally bad Pierce to lose this game, but I do think it'll be closer than you might think. So I have Mississippi State losing in more of like a four or five point game. All right. Uh, back to back ones we agree on here. Um, this game just just reeks. They're, they're, six and a half just doesn't seem like enough points um, for Texas A&M. I would expect a lot more. I would have expected closer to 10. Um, I think they're, the, the, the books are telling you a little something here. And when you really break it down, uh, what what was the one game that Mississippi State excelled in? They excelled against a team whose defense, for all intents and purposes, sucks. And you've seen that, and there's no difference between them and A&M, in all honesty. A&M will give them open looks. They'll give them space. They'll give them lanes. I like Mississippi State to rebound here. Yes, I know their um, their uh, attitudes right now are, are certainly not where I'd like them to be entering this game. That being said, I, I look for A and M to be riding high, um, and I expect I expect Mike Mike Leach's teams. Let me let me put it this way: Mike Leach's teams in the past historically play really well in the games that they shouldn't win, and they tend to play poorly in the games that they should win. This is a game they shouldn't win. 
give me Mike Leach all day in this scenario. I think it's a rebound spot for them. I would really like to see Mississippi State win this game. I think they get it done, and I think they get it done outright. I will be shocked if we don't have the same team in this next one. Georgia and Alabama, the game of the week. Alabama is favored by six points there at home. That game is at 7 o'clock Central Time on CBS. Or, yeah, yeah, on CBS. I for a second had to look and make sure I had the right information. I forgot that CBS is carrying the night game next week. Although I have seen, I just saw on Twitter, Pierce, that they are calling potentially for a, they won't do this, but potentially to move that game to 3.30 now that the LSU-Florida game is uh, postponed. Wow, that'd be interesting. I, I, you know, I'm, I got, I've got mixed emotions uh, as far as the. I love that two thirty, three thirty Eastern time slot, but there's, I know, but it's still on CBS. That's true. We'll still have that. But and and there's something special about night games. You see it the the once or twice it it happens every year. There's a reason why LSU plays every home game at night. Um, so while it's not at home for the dogs, um, Alabama will want to play their night, sh- their, their, their light show that they stole from Georgia. Oh, uh, well, that's fine. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> I would rather a big time environment at night than, uh, you know, something else, but either or you got to keep it at the late spot. I don't know. What yeah. The, yeah. You got to, you got to. The only thing is though, I think it's the last game of the night. So if you take away that game, you know, well, unless you're watching be done at, at nine yeah. and that's, I mean, unless you're watching stinks. Boston college, Virginia uh, tech, I don't like that. I, I, Give me, give me a. It's not late as is. You know, you're used to having Pac-12 after dark. Give me this. Just give me this because I need football to last until at least ten. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they'll move it, but it's it is an interesting, a, uh, you know, option that's been floated. Yeah, out Yeah, it's there. just not a normal Saturday night. Uh, it, you know, as as great as the last few weeks have been, everything's felt normal, for, uh, you know, so to speak. You got to give me a game. I can't be just sit, t- tuning out out of college football at, at yeah. nine. If that's, I'm that's attending, give me a three thirty. If I'm just watching at home, give me a night game. Well, I like to get nice and lathered up for those late night games. Do you know what so. I never like? An early game. Oh yeah, those, those are the are worst. worst. They're the worst. Unfortunately, I don't understand why uh, the Big Ten people like that so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the only way they're going to get on TV. Ah, here you go. We just spit truths here at Bragging Rights. All right, Pierce. Well, let's get into this matchup, the game of the week. What started out as the game of the week, I should say, is now in limbo after Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID. Uh, Like I already said at the top of this, we're going to proceed as if this is still happening. Hope for the best. This one's interesting to me because Georgia is essentially built like Alabama used to be and won a slew of championships with until they couldn't. And they got blown up by Deshaun Watson and Clemson. Saban then, you know, sold sold the devil and said, hey, we're going to get good on offense and has you know, giving up a little bit on defense, if if you want to put it that way. Not that they've been bad. It's still a Nick Saban defense, but but you saw last week, they definitely are vulnerable. Um, so because of the shift in philosophy with the offense, you now have Georgia, which is built like old Alabama, which is now built more like, you know, I guess, I guess a good comparison would be a Clemson or an LSU, which seems weird since they're the forefront, uh, you know, in college football. Uh, so we've gone from gritty defense to explosive offenses. That's what you're going to see here in this matchup. Um, the Tide have a pair of potential Heisman favorites in their offense. That's why this offense is so good. They've got Mac Jones, at quarterback, who is completing 80% of his passes, and Najee Harris, at running back, who is 347 yards and 10 touchdowns on the season. Oh, and they have some pretty good receivers in Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell. Uh, so they're loaded at offense. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head somebody on defense. I couldn't. Uh, and that's, that's a part, to be fair, I didn't do a ton of research on their defense because I didn't feel like I needed to. They probably have good people and I'm just overlooking them. But the point is, they're making their headlines with their offense. Uh, if I haven't said enough, there you go. I'm beating it like a dead horse. Uh, their defense, on the other hand, looked rough last week at best and 
even then gave up a fair amount of points for a Saban defense, on average giving up 473 yards and 30 points a game. When's the last time you heard a stat like that from an Alabama team? So let's look at Georgia on defense. They're leading the nation in run defense and are second in the nation in total defense only behind Houston. The D-line will look to shut Najee Harris down, and they probably will be able to do so as they're only giving up 30 yards on average a game. The secondary does look good as well. As long as they can uh, get pressure on Mac Jones, I could potentially see a pick or two. And that's what their Georgia defense is going to look to do. But then you got to look at the Georgia offense. Uh, (laughs) It scares me. It scares me. They're getting it done, but it scares me. Um, They haven't been bad. They're just not explosive. And the way that Ole Miss was able to put up points versus Alabama last week was to be explosive. And that's why they were able to keep it so close. Uh, Stetson Bennett, the fourth at quarterback is doing what he needs to do. Pierce was saying that he's actually now listed as a Heisman potential candidate, which blows my mind, but he's a little guy and he isn't quite as mobile as Matt Corral, which is a lot of how Ole Miss found success last week. So that scares me as well. Georgia's always been a heavy team, uh, heavy on the run as a team, but they've struggled to gain short yardage last week, and they're going to need to convert those third and shorts to keep pace with Bama. Saban has never lost to a former assistant. You're going to hear that a million times if you haven't already. Saban's not going to be on the sideline. So does that change anything for me? I still think this Tide team is too good, and they're going to be able to force a couple Georgia field goals when the dogs really need to be scoring touchdowns. It's going to be close. They win a close one. I think I'm going to pick Alabama to cover, though. That, that was a last second. You wanted to take I, Alabama. You started to talk yourself into Georgia, and then you swapped back the last 20 seconds. You watched it seconds. in my eyes. It was I crazy. Was, I was getting ready to say Bama's going to cover, and then I, my heart started pounding, and I was like, oh, but I really want to pick Georgia. Well, then you start I to think, really well, I said, I, I, then you said, I, I think Alabama's going to win, but it's going to be a close one. And then you start to think, well, shoot, I, am I going to contradict myself and say Alabama covers? Because then it, it wouldn't be that heart. close. It was, my so. heart, it, it was my heart trying to pound over my head, and I, I just can't. I can't do it. And also, I do believe in the jinx. So I'm going to go with Alabama. Good, good, great call. Um, I'll double down here. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, the more I look into this game, I, I wrestle with the fact I do think Georgia's good enough to beat this Alabama team. If I think that, are they going to win in the first game or the second game? I think you'd lean towards the first, to be honest with you. Um, also, my gut tells me Alabama, so that makes me want to take Georgia um, with how I've been picking. Here's, here's kind of what it comes down to. You, you look at Alabama, yes, their defense has struggled. They've, they've struggled mightily on the back end, uh, especially their DBs um, and, their, and their secondary. But more so than that, they've struggled up the middle of the field. And what does Stetson Bennett do? He throws most of his passes and most of his dynamic passes up the middle of the field. That's where he is best. I think this suits Georgia on that, from that standpoint. I wrestle with the fact that, yes, because Georgia does run, you know, a traditional pro-style offense, uh, so to speak. Now they're, they're switching that up a little bit with Munkin, but they still like to, to have a heavy dose of the run. And you've seen, while they've done it well, they you know, with the complement of backs that Georgia's had, they haven't had one guy be able to really take over a game. I think that's needed in a game like this, to be honest, because I think it's, you know, it's still in – Alabama's DNA, as rough as they look, they've looked in the first three games defensively. It's still in their DNA to to stop the run first and foremost. And for with a more traditional run team, um, especially wanting to impose their will on the line of scrimmage, I think that suits this Alabama defense a little bit better. They're going to have to deal with Stetson Bennett throwing it over the middle, especially to Kyrus Jackson. He grades out as the, uh, believe it or not, he grades out as the best receiver in the SEC thus far. Did you know that over Jalen Waddle and the guys? Wow, I know it's crazy. 
Um, so a lot, a lot of exciting things uh, to think about. They got Trey McKitty back at tight end. I think uh, the wild card in this one, um, the guy to watch is going to be Kenny McIntosh out of the backfield. I think you're going to see him catch a lot of balls over the middle, not only out of the backfield, but they're going to line him up in the slot some because he's not going to garner the same same attention Kyrus Jackson does. I said all that to say this. This game still plays out to me like a couple games we covered previously, uh, namely the, the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. I just think when all is said and done, Alabama can get to 35 plus, and I think Georgia struggles to do that against this Alabama team. Um, they can do it. Georgia certainly can. I just think that Mac Jones is 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 playing at such a high clip right now. Um, yes, Georgia will pressure him. Yes, I think Georgia will get to him a handful of times. Might force a few uh, a few interceptions or maybe a fumble or or here or there. Um, that being said, they just have so many weapons, and Mac Jones, I've been hitting on the last few weeks, is much better than a lot of people give him credit. He He's really operating at a high clip. I got to go Alabama here, minus the six and a half. Um, I think it's closer than, you know, I think it, it might take an Alabama field goal or, or touchdown late to, to cover this spread. So uh, do with that what you will. That being said, I just think Alabama has a higher uh, point total in them scoring-wise than, than Georgia has. So for that, it's going to take a, a perfect game for Georgia to win this first matchup. I think they figure it out hopefully going into the SC championship game if they're if they're able to get there. So for that, I got to go Alabama my six and a half. I just think there's a little too much on offense. And the jinx is real. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, I could not do that now. I mean, if it tells you anything, I was listening to a radio show today and somebody called in to brag about how good the Braves are doing and they gave up, uh, what, 11 in the first inning? So Yeah, well, you could see that coming from a Jinx mile away. is real, people. Changed yep. shirts at halftime last game because the jinx is real. Yep. Hey, Mojo is a thing. Got to do whatever you can. Well... We'll be picking Bam on this one for that, for that exact reason. The last game we want to cover, the Boston College Eagles and the Virginia Tech Hokies. Virginia Tech is the favorite at home by 11 points. That game is at 7 o'clock Central Time on ACC Network. Might have packed 12 after dark, but maybe we'll have some uh, ACC after dark if this game gets done after the uh, Georgia-Alabama one. It ain't the same. No, it's not the same. same. Uh, Pierce, Virginia Tech is coming off their first loss of the season to UNC, while Boston College is 3-1 on the season with their sole loss also coming to, you guessed it, UNC. Huh. Tar Heels seem seem to be pretty good. How about that? Uh, Phil Jerkovic, we talked about him a lot uh, in the past few episodes. He actually looks pretty good, and uh, they need him to be as they really like to air it out. This Eagles offense is averaging 295 yards through the air and only 60 on the ground. On the flip side, Virginia Tech has been shining on the run with Khalil Herbert. He's averaging 10 yards a carry while they are still struggling to find their home at QB. They've had three different guys cycling in at that position. So let's look at defense, which tips the scale to Boston College, who are giving up less yards on average than Virginia Tech and doing a decent job of shutting down the run. So look for Khalil to uh, to come up against a little bit more of a, of a challenge there. This is just too many... Too many points, Pierce. Too many points. And uh, I, I actually really like Boston College. I think they're a little underrated. Uh, Virginia Tech's not doing a great job of covering the spread so far this season. So I think I'm going to I think that, I pick Boston College. I think they lose by something more like mm, 7 or 9, not, not quite 11. I like it. This, uh, this is a BC team that I've been super high on. Um, I love what they brought back, especially on the line of scrimmage. I can't. 
can't say that enough. I've said it every week now um, for the past four or five. I like what Jerkovic – I call him Jerkovic. I don't know Jerkovic, however you want to pronounce it. Trans- it is it Jerkovic? I've been pronouncing it Jerkovic, but Jerkovic is probably more I'll, likely. I'll do the I, 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 don't, out. I don't pronounce words we'll, we'll correctly most the, uh, often than not. Yeah, so you got, for that, you got I, that fat I, tongue syndrome. Yeah, I'd assume you, uh, you're in the right there. That being said, regardless of his name, he's a, he's a great quarterback. Um, he just he doesn't have the weapons that you know he'd have at a Notre Dame or or, or you know top tier school, but he does he does what it he does enough. He, he he is a solid quarterback. You look at their games though, and they really haven't played anybody that's been offensively great outside of UNC. Um, I think Virginia Tech gets this done. I think that Boston College is going to be riding high from that crazy game last week against Pitt. Where the the pit kicker hit, kicked the uh, kicked the fifty eight yarder to to send it to overtime and then uh, then missed the extra point um, in overtime. So I think they're going to be riding high. I think this is a little bit of a letdown spot for them. I think Virginia Tech is going to be ticked off after a UNC game that you know while they scored uh, plenty of points they gave up sixty. Um, I think they're going to be motivated. I think Fuente is going to get this uh, team back on the road. I think they're going to play a little bit more ball possession, control the clock with their running game, and I think they get this done minus 11. I think they win more like 14 to fourteen to 17. That is going to do it for our predictions and our picks. We'll recap that next week, so go ahead and you're, make sure you're subscribed so you can hear when that episode drops. And in case you missed any of that, go follow us on Instagram. I post the picks every single week over there on our Instagram page so you can keep up as you're watching the games with who is the idiot of this group and who is the genius. Spoiler alert, I'm the genius. Uh, But it is time for everyone's favorite segment, Pierce. It's time for your easy-peasy picks. We don't condone gambling here at Bragging Rights, but if you were to gamble, here's who we think is with the money this week. Yeah, it's been a tough, uh, tough last few weeks here, especially last week. Uh, we're gonna get back on the winning side. Gonna simplify things here and uh, not try and make any reaches. Shortened card. Um, gonna go. Uh, we've covered both these games. Gonna go with uh, Tulsa in the first game plus three over Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati. Uh, they're gonna try to play a ball ball control type of game, and and they just don't have the uh, the rusher that is needed in this type of game. I think Tulsa will be able to put up some points. I think this is a low scoring affair. Uh, if this gets a three and a half, it's an auto take. Um, I, I I highly recommend that at three and a half. It's still good at three. Um, I, I you could even sprinkle a little bit on the money line if you wanted, but take the three, um, especially if it gets to the three and a half clip. I think uh, especially with the game at an over under forty three and a half, that's you know. I still expect Tulsa to get to, to 17-20. I think this is a, a, about a 21-20 type of game. Um, I, I like Tulsa to get the upset here over uh, a Michael Warren-less uh, Cincinnati team. Second game on my list, not going to do anything crazy here. Going to take Alabama my six and a half. I, I know. I hope I'm. I hope I'm a jinx. I hope I'm wrong on this one. To be honest, being a Georgia fan. That being said, uh, you, you look at it. I think Alabama does get a late uh, late score or a late field goal here. I'm not going to try and overthink it. I think the offense can just put up a little bit more points than Georgia can, uh, even if all things are clicking. Uh, I think the the offense that Georgia plays plays into Alabama's scheme a little bit more. Interesting to see how they'll defend the uh, the tight ends and the slot receivers and the running backs going up the middle for the dogs. Um, and Stetson Bennett loves that. At the end of the day, this team is just too talented off the side of the ball. I think they get the six and a half. Uh, it might be – might be a, a little bit of a sweat down the fourth quarter, but I still think they get a field goal or and, and a late turnover or something like that to uh, to finally finish the dogs off and cover the spread. That's going to do it for Pierce's easy peasies. Get those picks in. Win you some money. 
and uh, we'll we'll have to uh, hopefully you start doing good on those. Yeah, I, I couldn't say uh, I couldn't say cash the checks, which I wanted to say because I didn't cash any checks last week. So let's hope we can take these uh, these tickets to the window this week and uh, get back on the winning ways and start start a heater. Hey, if you do another uh, stinker of a week, though, it could be just bet whatever you're the opposite of what the you're fade, saying. Yeah, fade. Well, that's fade uh, Pierce I mean, always and forever. Nah, I mean, hey, I, I, I'm relatively pretty good in college football you go through your your lull so we'll get it back together uh excited to uh, excited excited start winning all some money there you go that's going to do it for us here at the bragging rights podcast uh like i said a couple times throughout the show make sure you're subscribed go ahead and rate the podcast go ahead and rate it uh, share it all of those fun things uh also follow us on social media at bragging pod across all social media platforms that's bragging without the g so bragging pod i will be dropping my mimosas with madison on saturday morning to get you all up to date with what you should be watching what you should be keeping an eye on and why you should care about this week's slate of games and uh, we might be working on a little special project here with pierce and uh, some gambling situations and uh, maybe some instant reactions things of that nature anything is fair game in this season but we're just excited to be talking about football and uh, and excited to bring the Big Ten back in. Uh, we're going to leave you guys here with our bold predictions of the week. One bold prediction we both have. Mine is that Houston has struggled to get on the field due to coronavirus. They're playing their second game of the season, but they come up big with their defense and force Zach Wilson to have to air it out, pick him off a couple times, and upset BYU. In a week uh, that, that you know, I don't think there will be cr- too many crazy storylines. I like your pick. I, I got to go with a little bit less of a bold prediction, but still bold nonetheless. Mac Jones cements his Heisman win. Heisman win this week. I don't think, uh, you know, he, he might have a few mistakes here and there, but I do think just the weapons they have, he's going to put up a number th- another 300-plus yard game um, and put up you know a few touchdowns at the minimum, and he's going to continue to do that all year. Uh, this will be the game that everybody looks back on. Yes, I know they could meet in the SEC championship game. By then, I think it won't matter. I think Justin Fields... Unless they want to give it to him in a pity, you know, pity vote. Hey, you know, this is a participation thing. Go ahead, but you know, only having a, a minimum amount of games, I don't think he's going to get there. And you hit the nail on the head with Trevor Lawrence. I just don't think he uh, is going to have quite the highlights and and be you know have those Heisman moments. And I think Mac Jones will. Um, so, therefore, I'm uh, going Mac Jones. I think I did. I text you to make it short. You did, but I had to. I, I was on a roll there. Pierce just outlined the entire Heisman picture for you. Yeah. Uh, tweets. Hey. Tweets. Think tweets. I mean, I'm a, I'm a walking uh, college football encyclopedia. Oh, hot take right there. For the Bragging Rights Podcast, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.